0: I'm Paul. And I'm Regan. And we want to welcome you to another edition of the Students Ask podcast. Thanks for uh, tuning back in with us. We have not been uh, in this since, I think, October because life has happened since then.
1: It was, yeah, it was, I think, October, yeah.
0: And between then was Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, a couple snow days, some COVID things. Yep. Um, all that kind of stuff. So all, all that to say is we missed you guys, and we're glad that we're back. And we have some big news. Like on our chit chat part, one is that Reagan is playing a new game on his computer, and that game is <laughs> Been playing a little Valorant recently. What now? Explain to a non-initiate like me what is Valorant? Uh,
1: Valorant is a competitive first-person shooter, um, probably most similar to like CS:GO, Counter Strike, Global Offensive, which was a really big thing back in the day. How does it compare to
0: like uh, Call of Duty?
1: It's a lot more, like, methodical and strategic than Call of Duty.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. My wife and I just got done watching a short Netflix um, series called The Spy. It's got Sasha Baron Cohen in it, and it's about the first Israeli spy to infiltrate uh, the Syrian army. And the military. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. good. If you like history and all that kind of stuff. But the main big uh, thing that we need to talk to you about before we get into our big concept today is we are super pumped around here at Corinth because on February the 16th at 630, that's a Wednesday night, we're going to be hosting a one and only Dr. Frank Turek here with us at Corinth for an evening of apologetics. Uh, we're super excited about that. Um, he is in Charlotte, so it's not a long way for him to come up. So if you're in the area, or if you're obviously part of Corinth, uh, it'll probably be about a two-hour event. He'll speak for about an hour and then take questions for about an hour. But it's incredible. Um, I want to call him Papa T when he comes. Or Papa <laughs> Frank. Uh, I don't know something like that. He's just he's just the OG. Uh, we'll call him we'll call him the OG OG Frank. But he is incredible. Uh, so if you're on our Facebook page, or if you're on our um, Instagram, or or website or whatever like that, you're going to be able to see uh, stuff about Frank Turk coming to get in. That is uh, February the 16th, um, 630, and it's in our it's in our old sanctuary. So uh, that's the biggest room we have on campus. And we're having dinner beforehand, so we can't have it in Boston Hall, which is where we do our uh, contemporary worship. We're having it in the sanctuary. So come on out, 630, probably in about 830. Um, there is no sign-up beforehand. There is no cost. Uh, bring your friends, especially people that have questions about Christianity, uh, for that. And I want to give a shout-out to Reagan, too, because Reagan is going to be handling all the technology needs for that. And uh, it's, not, it's no small undertaking. It is a larger <laughs> undertaking. Seems that way. So the big concept for uh, this episode of the Students Ask podcast is oftentimes you hear people and students get the feedback from non-believers when they talk to them about the Bible. And the feedback will be, well, why are the four Gospels different? There are differences in the four Gospels, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are different from each other, and how can you say that they present a a correct view of who Jesus is when they're different from each other. And don't those differences kind of prove that they can't agree? They, they can't agree with each other. And that, and so oftentimes students think of that and then they haven't really thought about it. And, and oftentimes students quite often haven't read the gospels very in depth themselves. And so they get in there and that's a stumbling block. And they're like, oh, I never knew that, you know, what was in John didn't occur in, in any of the other gospels or that you know Matthew and Luke are this way but John's that way or Mark is so short or you know all those kind of things and so we just want to want to give you uh, a couple ways that you'll see in reality the ways that the Gospels differ from each other actually make a stronger case for the fact that they are trustworthy so uh, Reagan what is what is just a news flash? That somebody needs to figure out about when it comes to Jesus and the gospels. What's a newsflash?
1: flash? Uh, Jesus didn't write down scriptures that we know of.
0: Exactly. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, you if you were a, if you were never heard of Christianity, you would have thought, well well, maybe it was that Jesus was like, Hey Mark, I'm gonna write to you about myself. And uh, <laughs> Hey Luke, I'm gonna write to you about Publish myself. This you for know. Me. <laughs> yeah, he didn't Jesus didn't write, he's he's walking around speaking. And so um, Part of this, as well, is before we even get to even talking about um, the the gospels themselves, we need to talk about the fact that all of these stories about Jesus existed in a form called the oral tradition prior to them even being written down. Now. To give you a quick example, um, you know we we have this thing at our church with the youth group called the Pooper Bowl, um, and it's actually a flag football tournament that takes place on Super Bowl Sunday, and the prize is a golden toilet seat, just because it's funny, and you know it's kind of funny. So let's say years ago, you know, in the Pooper Bowl, there was a tiebreaker that we had to, you know, we had to go to Southern Death or something like that, and there was this incredible touchdown throw and there was a dive and a tumble and a whatever and whatever the team won, that story is going to get retold and retold and retold until somebody goes, man, that's, we need to write that stuff down so we don't forget about it. So it existed orally before it existed written down. And so did Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then also all these stories that are about Christ that are included in the gospel. So let's look at the four Gospels because we're trying to keep this short um, today. And so obviously Gospel means good news. And so the four Gospels that are in the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's right there at the beginning. And so let's talk a little bit about who they were. Now, before we even do that, uh, Reagan, do you have like a favorite Gospel, you know, and, and why is it your favorite Gospel? Um...
1: I don't know that I do. I think I think a little bit of that is maybe not having studied them as much as I uh, would like to. Uh, but I'm enjoying reading through John so far with the sermon study.
0: Yeah, I'm excited because John is my favorite. John, I think John and I think a lot alike, um, and and also, well, excuse me, I think like John does. John is <laughs> John's the man. I'm the pa- I'm the Padawan every year. Um, so let's talk about him real quick. So let's start with Matthew. Matthew uh, is actually probably not the first written gospel, but it's the first one that appears. And Matthew was a Jewish disciple of Jesus. And so as a Jewish disciple, he's very interested that you, the reader, uh, so that you, the reader, will see how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Jewish prophecy in the Old Testament, the lineage of, of God's plan through his leaders, going back, you know, the David, and then going back to Adam all the way at the beginning, and then also the promises of the Old Testament. And one of the interesting things about Matthew is that he is the only gospel writer to mention the words, the church. Uh, so that's kind of a, an interesting thing about him. So that's different. That's a difference in the ones in anything else. Mark, we think, actually was the first written gospel, and it's the shortest gospel, and um, and something also interesting is that almost all of Mark appears in Matthew. So a lot of people think, well, you know, did Matthew consult Mark later on? Um, did did he include those stories because of his relationship and who Mark was? And to answer that question is who Mark was was Mark was a contemporary and a partner with Peter in missions and ministry and he is specifically referred to in 1st Peter 5:13. Now, one way that Mark is a different portrayal of Jesus is that Jesus is on Red Bull In the book of Mark, it's like Jesus is here and then he's there. And then after that, he immediately goes to this. And then after that, he immediately goes to this. And then they they all went and did this. And it's just this frenetic pace of what is going on. And so you only have you have about half the amount of chapters in Mark as you do in Matthew. Now, Luke, totally different again. Luke is a doctor. Luke is also the author of Acts And we know from the book of Acts as well that he is a friend and a partner in ministry with Paul, who once was Saul, but came to faith in the Lord and then became Paul. And because he's a doctor, if you can imagine, a doctor is a very detail-oriented person. So in Luke, you're going to have aspects of, let's say, the birth narrative that aren't included in any of the other Gospels. Um, it's very detailed, but also Luke himself was probably a Gentile. Now, if you don't know what a Gentile is, there's two kinds of people in the world, according to the Bible. There are Gentiles and Jews. So... He was not a Jew, he was a Gentile, that's the rest of us. And so he's writing for a Gentile audience. He's writing, you know, and that'd be kind of a that'd be an important thing to say because a lot of people will be like, well, Jesus, he was that Jewish guy. What does that have to do with me? Uh but Luke, obviously, who had come to faith in Christ, wants you to see that he is king over all creation. He's not just a Jewish guy that rose to prominence. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what are called the synoptic gospels. And the easiest way to explain what a synoptic synoptic is is they are all explaining the story of Christ pretty much in the same way. Now, in the book of John, as as we're getting ready to come, there's a quote at the very end of in, very end of John, and I think I'll, I'll ask uh, I'll ask Reagan about it. But John says, uh, "I've written some of this, but I suppose if." Someone were to try to write all the things that Jesus did down in 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 a biography or you know in in a collected work that it couldn't even you couldn't even write a book that big because Jesus did so much. What does that kind of do for you when you think about what John then chose to include? If there was more than he could have written down, but he just it was so much. What what does it make you think about about the things that he did include in the Gospel of John?
1: Just the importance. I mean, you know, if, if you are asked to pick your five favorite foods, right? But you like a lot of food. When you pick those five, that means they're top of the top, right? Right. That's that's some sort of comparison right there. But, um, yeah, specifically with John's gospel being so spiritual, to pick the stories he did to tell, they're in there for a reason.
0: Yeah. I think that's a solid answer. So John is different. John is what is called a non-synoptic gospel, means that it doesn't tell the story of Christ in the same way. And you'll, you'll know this right off the bat in John chapter one. He doesn't start out with where did Jesus come from in terms of his family lineage. He doesn't start out with the birth of Christ. He immediately begins to unpack theologically, that means the study of God, theologically what's happening with Jesus becoming flesh and becoming a baby born into a manger. And he doesn't talk about the baby and the manger. He talks about spiritually what's happening. And he says these things like, the word was with God in the beginning. He was God. He was with God. And everything that was created in the world was created through him. That part kind of continues to go on, and it says, And then the word became flesh and lived among us. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to explain this incredibly difficult thing for us to understand, which is the incarnation of Jesus, which is what we celebrate at Christmas time, of course. So what John's intent is, John is like, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke told the story and they told, they told the story, but I'm going to tell you stories, but I'm also tell you spiritually what's going on in the spiritual realms at those times. And so John finds it very important to include a lot of things that aren't in the other gospels, like the I am statements, you know, you're, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the good shepherd. And then of course, John 14, six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so, that is, that is the, the quick explanation of John in that it's non-synoptic and yet he's including these other things. Now, all of those stack up for someone that doesn't know to go, well, they disagree with each other. They're, they're presenting different Jesuses in every one. Uh, and so I'm going to come back to this word again. And the word that I want to say is that I want you to think of the Gospels as having harmony with each other, as having harmony with each other. Now, Anyone will tell you that when you're singing, you can have multiple voices not singing the same note. They can be singing notes and they're all in either a key or in a family of notes that are harmonious with each other. In like in a choir or in a chorus or in a band, it sounds great. Now they're not singing all the same notes, but what they're singing are in harmony with each other, and that's what we—that's one of the best examples to say about the gospels is that they are all united around the same theme. Now, what doesn't bring harmony is let's say out th- to fl- throw something musically out there. You know, if you're in the key of G, your 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 chords are going to be G, E minor, C, D, maybe an A minor in there, maybe a B in there as well, but there's not going to be an F in there, you know, or, there, or there's not going to be a B flat. In there or something like that, you know, unless you're just kind of going in a totally different direction. And if you play those notes with it, there's not harmony. It sticks out. And so that's kind of where we're going to go here in just a minute to talk about the ways that these gospels don't line up exactly with each other, but why there's harmony between them. But first, before we do that, let's talk quickly about why we believe that the New Testament and specifically the Gospels, are trustworthy by quickly dispelling a couple of the things that um, we know about them. So one of the ways that Reagan, that they talk and that, that they used to say, well, you can't really trust you know, the New Testament, is that it was written so long after Jesus. And now we don't have eyewitness accounts. We have, you know, legends. And these are just kind of legends and kind of like the legend of Paul Bunyan, who is probably like a normal-sized guy. Legends later on grow, and the next thing you know, he's 25 feet tall and has a big blue ox and all that kind of stuff like that. <laughs> but, um, you know, why— you know, for you, is that was that ever a thing that caused you to doubt or caused you to question when people would say, you know, the Bible's not when it was written wasn't close enough to the time?
1: It probably did uh, early on in like say early middle high or high school, um, but once I kind of grew spiritually um, just after working at camp and just really experiencing not just Sunday school anymore, but kind of like Jesus working, you know. Um, I just kind of came to grips with that the Bible is, is divine, divinely inspired, right? So even if these stories were told a thousand years after, I trust that what got written was what God wanted to be written, right? Um, so for me, it wasn't necessarily a big hang-up, but I, know, I definitely know people who that's a big hang-up for them, is like, how do we know the Bible is true? How do we know what was written? Especially if we can point out that there are differences in the Gospels and stuff. How do we know that that is divinely inspired? Right. So I've definitely heard people talk about it.
0: So the big date that you want to remember for that is the year 70 A.D. or 70 C.E. Um, And what happened in the year 70 A.D. would have been the most catastrophic thing for any Bible writer, any Christian, any Jew, Anyone living in the Middle East, which was in 70 AD, the Romans attacked, pillaged, and utterly destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. And so one thing that is incredibly interesting is that if we've got the documents in scripture, which are historical documents, uh, written at a certain time period, written to people that were in specific places at specific times, not a single book in the New Testament talks about the destruction of Jerusalem, which would have been the most cataclysmic thing to have happened in that area, period, in the destruction of the temple. Huge event not included in anything, which leads most scholars to believe, you know, why? Because it was written prior to that. And so that, word, that means within 30-ish years of Jesus's life, all of the New Testament was written down. The second thing is, I think oftentimes we do this deal and we say, well, you know, you can't trust what's written down in the Bible because, uh, you know, it it existed orally first and then it was written down and they didn't have copy machines back then. So it's not it's not can't be trusted because there were errors and they made copy errors and all this kind of stuff. Well, and they usually we use this example of like the telephone game, which the telephone game, if you don't know, is that, uh, you know, you take 20 kids and you sit them in a room and they have to whisper one sentence all the way around the room, and the sentence starts out as like, you know, my brown dog went to Taco Bell, but by the end of it is like, you know, you know we're going to go buy a new Honda at the dealer. You know, it just has completely changed, <laughs> and they say, see, you know, you can't trust the gospel, and so there's two things about that. One is that These are people that lives depended on them precisely copying it down. It wasn't a game to them. It was, it made all the sense in the world for them to get it as accurate as possible. But the other thing that you can dispel with that is right now, currently, we have 23,985 original manuscripts of the Greek, the Latin, and the Vulgate, um, from, of the New Testament. And so, you know, if you, you wanted to check one against the other, you could. And so it kind of dispels this myth that people were just out there making mistakes. So let's come real quick and let's, let's address this problem then, or this, this topic of, all right, so the four gospels are not exact. The four gospels have differences, have nuances in them. And so the first thing that I want to say that you, you wouldn't want to say back to someone is, you would say there's a huge difference between differences and discrepancies. So, if if I were to say, you know, we're gonna we're gonna tell the story of, and we'll go back to Paul Bunyan, you know, and I say, you know, in one story Paul Bunyan is 12 feet tall, and one story Paul Bunyan is 13 feet tall, and in the next story he's 11 feet tall, but in, in another one he's two feet tall. You would kind of go, <laughs> 11, 12, and 13 are all right about in the same ballpark. You know, similarly, two feet tall is not in there. And so what you don't have in the gospel is you don't have discrepancies. They all will tell you a portrait and give you a portrait of Jesus. Whereas if you were reading Mark, you would recognize the Jesus in John. If you're reading John, you'll recognize the Jesus in Luke. If you're reading Matthew, you'll recognize the Jesus in all of them. You will see it. One is not different from the other. You're just hearing differences in some of the stories that they chose. And then the other part of it is they harmonize with each other. Um, there's nothing that sticks out. There's nothing that's off. There's nothing that just doesn't agree. You know, So, for instance, if someone was going to describe, you know, we're going to describe a tree, someone would say, man, that tree, it was tall. And the next person would say, that tree was tall and green. The next person would say, that tree was tall and it's green and this bark was brown. And if the next person comes in and says, and it was shiny like silver, that will be a discrepancy, you know, because the three first ones have harmony with one another, but the fourth one obviously doesn't. Well, we don't have that with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are differences, but they're not discrepancies. The second thing is the copy problem. Um, so people will say, well, you know what? They are different from each other. You know, they don't, they don't say things the same way. They don't, they don't speak the same way. You know, they're, they're obviously, they're, they're different. And so I would say, well, when you read the story of something in Matthew that also shows up in Luke, or you read the story of something in Mark that also shows up in Matthew, and you read these stories, and they're a little bit different from each other, not in ways that are discrepancies, but in ways that are differences. That's actually a good thing. Uh, and so the reason it's a good thing is this. And let me give you the example. Um, and, and, Reagan, I'll call you out real quick. Reagan, did you ever get caught for cheating when you were, like, in elementary school?
1: Oh, I'm sure I did.
0: Oh, my gosh. I yeah. mean, like... <laughs> I, I can. Yeah, rem- I'm sure
1: I forgot some homework and was filling it out. You know. Man,
0: I can remember some time in like in elementary school, <laughs> sitting behind like this super smart girl, and just like leaning right over her and like just copying down exactly what she had written for some math problem, and just totally got busted yeah. on it. <laughs> but so, so for instance, so let, let's say this. So, so suppose you know you are taking a short answer test for school, and uh, you know every, every answer has to be about four, five, six, seven, seven sentences in a, in a paragraph. And so you and three of your friends are sitting in the corner in the back taking the test. And once you turn that test in and your teacher comes to, you know, problem number four and she looks down and all four of you have written down the exact thing verbatim. (laughs) She's going to know you cheated. There was no original thought. You cheated. You, you, You just copied off each other. And so in a beautiful way, The fact that there are these slight differences, there are these differences and not discrepancies, is actually good because it would have been a lot easier if they had just, oh, hey, Mark, let me copy yours, or hey, Luke, let me copy yours, or John's just going to copy what Matthew wrote. Uh, They didn't do that. They wrote each their own account because they had an individual account to give. And the third is called the eyewitness test. And so one of the things about an eyewitness is that an eyewitness account it's also going to be different from another eyewitness account, again, not in a discrepancy or not in a non-harmonious way, but in a way that reflects the person's personality and the person's vantage point. So outside our church, we have a not a huge intersection, but a larger intersection for the small town of Hickory, North Carolina that we're in. And there are four corners, you know, a, a, a northeast and northwest corner and a southeast and southwest corner, um, you know, e- easy to kind of to kind of go just to say, let's say there are four corners right there. And so if there was a wreck and you had four people standing on each of those different corners, they're going to tell you different things about the wreck, even though they're all telling you about the wreck. And, you know, there's some to give me, things that are obvious. You know, the time that the wreck occurred is going to be obvious, um, you know what the car colors were is going to be obvious. You know, some of those things are just going to be obvious, but you know, if you, if you thought to yourself, if one of the persons was a, you know, a a policeman, they're going to tell you some things about that wreck that, Only a policeman would be interested in. If somebody was, if if somebody was an interior decorator, that was the other side. They're going to tell you, "Be like, oh yeah, you know that BMW with that incredible, like you know, ivory leather interior that I like so much, or whatever like that." They're going to tell you something about that that somebody else would have missed. Somebody else is going to say, you know, that that is particularly interested in health is going to say, "Well, I could see when this person tried to get out of their car after the wreck that they were limping because it looked like such and such had happened to them." And so you're going to get four different accounts from these eyewitnesses. They're all telling you about the same thing, but the fact that they're telling you different nuances goes to show that they're looking at it with a personality, with a different character than someone else, and also a different vantage point. And those are also good because the beauty of it is if we just had Matthew or we just had Mark, we wouldn't get these beautiful other perspectives that Luke and John give you or that that any of the other Gospels give you. And so come back to kind of just wrap up real quick. All of these things, these differences, actually create a stronger case that we can trust the validity of the Gospels. And it's a beautiful thing that we have four Gospels that are all telling us about the good news of Jesus Christ and that they are different in ways that actually show us more of Jesus and hopefully make us love him, love Him more. Reagan, do you have any kind of closing thoughts or, or any closing, uh, closing uh, words for us?
1: Uh, I mean, I, th- I think the best thing to do is for you to go read the Gospels and realize that there's nowhere in one of these Gospels you'll ever go, whoa, 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 whoa. Now John said something totally different about Jesus. Contradictory or right. a discrepancy, right? Uh, you'll never find something like that 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 just totally contradicts is a total discrepancy. Um, you know, I'd be like somebody at the intersection saying, well, the red car went through first and got t-boned and somebody else saying, no, the red car went through second, and the black car went through first. Those both can't be true, but the gospels don't do that. The gospels don't argue like that and, and contradict each other. So you just got to read them yourselves if you want to. You want to know?
0: Absolutely. So again, just as Reagan said, the best thing that any of us can do is just take time and read the scripture. And and if I can give you just just. 10 more extra seconds about that. One of the things that Jesus says at the end of the gospel of John, which is he talks to us about the role of the Holy spirit. He says, the role of the Holy spirit is to lead us into all truth. And one of the things that I tell students all the time is that I say, before you read the Bible, anytime, don't make it just, you know, routine with no thought into it, but, but routinely pray before you read the Bible and say, Holy spirit, please guide me into what you want me to see and the voice of God that you want me to hear through this text. So let me pray first real quick, and then we'll wrap it up. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your gospel, the good news of who you are. Lord, I pray for these students that they would open up your word and read it, God, that the big words or the the multi-syllabled words that are sometimes hard to pronounce or hard to read wouldn't be um, bearish for them, Lord God, and that they would realize that they do have time to spend reading your word and being touched and changed by your word, Lord God. Thank you so much for each of them. in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, Reagan, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, we love you guys, and I will see you again on the next Students Ask Podcast.